Welcome back, podcast fans. I'm your host, Annette Hines, and this is Parenting Impossible, the special needs survival podcast. Well, it's snowy here in the Northeast, and it is cozy here in my home office. I'm so happy to be back with you today. It's the beginning of February, and it's the month of love. So love is going to be our topic for the month, and our podcasts are going to be themed about caring for one another. Um, going to kick off our podcast month with talking about self-love. I know, it's goofy. And it sounds selfish. It's hard for us sometimes um, to whatever in whatever way that you think about it or talk about it, talk to yourselves about it, talk to each other about it. It just it's goofy. It, we're not raised this way. My podcast guest, Liza Blaz has an incredible take on what it means to love yourself. And I tell you, um, when I came across her Very Happy Stories podcast and blog posts, I was excited to jump on this bandwagon with her. And I'm excited to introduce you to her as well. There's a lot of things that I've been thinking about uh, that I wanted to bring to the table this month. As caregivers, as people with disabilities, it's hard to it's hard to get on board with the self-love theme. I know I came to this party very late and I'm not a really good role model. And one of the things that I want to talk about is that I did not have a good role model with my mom. I don't think that my mom was a very happy person. I could be wrong, but we never talked about it. My mom never modeled for me how to have a happy life. And if she listens to this podcast, she's probably going to get really, really pissed off at me. And I'm going to take that chance. I'm going to I'm going to take that risk. But, you know, I don't think many of us really had parents as role models in how to have a happy life. They want us to be happy. They wanted us to have a better life than what they had. But why? Why wouldn't they want us to have their life? Why wouldn't they want us to model want why wouldn't they want to model for us what it looks like to have a good life? You can't tell us what to do to have a good life. You have to show us. You have to be that. You have to do it. And there's the disconnect, right? So I really found myself very late in life as an adult woman catching on to this idea that I was doing the same thing to my daughter, daughters, 
Elizabeth passed away seven years ago, but doing the same darn thing to my kids that my mother did with me, which was, oh, I'm going to self-sacrifice. I'm going to work my fingers to the bone and I'm going to give everything to you and nothing to myself. And then ah, that makes me a good person. I'm a good person if I if I drop dead of exhaustion at the end of every day. Well, really? But we don't want our kids to live like that. We want them to be joyful. We want them to have a different experience. So why don't we do that for ourselves? So you're going to hear Liza talk about her experience with her daughter who in a therapy session they had their light bulb moment where her daughter tells the therapist I'll be happy if my mom is happy and her mom says to the therapist well I'm happy and the therapist says um yeah your daughter doesn't believe that and So interesting. So interesting. Even if we think we're happy, we're really not modeling that for our kids. Now, maybe some of you out there are. And congrats to you for doing it. You got to teach that to the rest of us. Because let me tell you, most of us are not. So this month, we're going to kick off with self-love. We're going to raise our hands to joy and self-love. We're going to find that joy for ourselves. So this month, as we talk about love, let's start with the self-love, okay? And so Liza says two things to us. What works for her, and maybe this won't work for you, but she is telling us to start simple, start small. One, set an intention for yourself every day. And two, get it on your calendar, because if it ain't there in your day, if you don't make room for it, make space for it, it won't happen. So set an intention for yourself, a little thing, and then get it on your calendar. Make space for it in your life. Make space for it in your day. I love that. And I loved my conversation with Liza. Please check her out. All of her um, connections are here in our notes. Very happy stories with Liza. Here we go. Okay, welcome back, podcast fans. I'm your host, Annette Hines, and this is Parenting Impossible, the special needs survival podcast. So today I'm here with Liza Blass, and we are going to be talking about very happy stories. How cool to kick (laughs) off the month about love. February. And I wanted to talk to Liza because she has a very cool podcast, blog, and all kinds of related stuff, um, talking about our neurodiverse children and her very special family. Welcome, Liza. Hi, Annette. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so grateful to be here today. So I introduced you at the beginning of the podcast, and I wanted to bring you on as the first guest this month because something that I read in 
I think it was one of your blog posts really touched me. And it was something that your daughter said. Um, she said, I'll be happy if my mom is happy. Yes. And this month, as we talk about love and what love means, and as we talk about our families, uh, what it means to be a mama bear and a caregiver and all of the things that I'm going to be bringing together in my podcast and in my, in my blogs this month. Um, I wanted to, I wanted you to share your experience and maybe you can start just by telling us a little bit about your family and have us, you know, learn a little bit more about your journey. Absolutely. Thank you so much, um, for letting me share. So I am a mom, um, and I have two kids. Um, my daughter is now 15 and my son is 12. And over the last five years, they have really been struggling. Um, they're both neurodivergent, you know, twice exceptional, um, but really what's been challenging is the mental illness that they both struggle with anxiety and depression. And just over the last five years, it has just been um, a real struggle. And I mean, I have to tell you, we have dealt with so many complex issues in the arena of mental health from anxiety, depression, um, OCD, eating disorder, body dysmorphia. I think the most, um, the darkest period we had is working through my daughter's hallucinations. Wow. Yeah. They're wow. very scary, very scary. And, um, it's, but I always speak to gratitude after I live through these moments, we did determine that both of my kids had chronic Lyme disease. And if it wasn't for the hallucinations, I never would have gotten to the root problem. Um, and with that diagnosis, which is, you know, it's sad to say, but most people that do have Lyme, it is like a two-year, three-year, five-year, even longer journey yes. of um, getting to that diagnosis. But, you know, it just got so bad that that's where we landed. And I'm grateful that she finally got the diagnosis. And then, of course, I tested my son and he also mm -hmm. um, turned out to be positive. So, you know, they're both healing um, and it's been quite the journey. But I did have this moment with my daughter who goes to therapy regularly and she had done so well in her Lyme treatment, specifically um, there were uh, there was a co-infection that really hits mental illness. It's called Babesia. Yeah. It's, if you've heard, you're familiar yes. with Babesia. Well, my stepdaughter suffers okay. from Lyme and um, also had such a, a horrific journey, had hallucinations yes. as well. Yes. And, and um, we went through, uh, I, I wasn't, I wasn't part of her early journey. And I know my husband, um, he, uh, they, they suffered so much from, um, the, just the, the medical community, you know, yes, not the invalidation and not, not participating in treatment. And so that's, of course, yeah. that would be a whole nother show. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But you know, it's, it's so good to bring awareness to this because it breaks my heart to stop and think about 
all the children that are impacted by Lyme at such an important age of their brain development. Right. We talk about like the inflammation, the trauma That's right. that is inflicted. I mean, it's, it's just good to know that like when you see things like this, that you should be checking for Lyme. Um, and the life-lasting, um, you know, chronic issues that will, that will always be there because you're Absolutely. years down the road before you discover the, you know, the, the, um, original infection yes. uh, or the original cause. Yes. And so, you know, they'll always be dealing with this anyway. Yes. Be- yeah. Yeah, no, but it's so true, but yeah, it's important to kind of just shed some light on, on, on that. Um, so I was in a therapy session with her, which is common for us because so much of my children's anxiety and depression behaviors lends itself to kind of like a family dynamic. Mm. Um, there's always they, some, some people call it the dance. Some people call it the chain of events, but there's always a certain dynamic. And so we do a lot of family therapy Mm -hmm. to just bring the awareness of the dance, understand, to just understand what is happening, right? Like how do you go from zero to 60, um, repeatedly? So I had joined her on a particular session and I just came out and said to the therapist, I said, Ben, you know, I'm just worried about Ava because my fear is that she's always going to think that she's just a depressed, anxious person. And I would really hate because it, because she is so young and I would really hate for her to go through life thinking that that's actually part of her identity, you know, and and not give her the space to think like, it's just a moment in time. And he said, well, what do you think Ava? And Oh, I said, I don't know if she has the desire to be happy. That's what I'm worried about. I don't know if she has the desire to be happy. And the, my the therapist said, well, what do you think? He asked my daughter and she said, he said, do you want to be happy? And she said, yes, I do. And he said, what do you think would make you happy? And she said, I would be happy if my mom was happy. Mm. And I said, I'm happy. Like I, I said, Ava, I'm happy. And the therapist, Ben said, she doesn't think so. And I said, so I'm not happy. And he says, looks like it. And I was like, oh my gosh. I, and I really, it really hit me. I'm not happy. And then he said, Ava, what would make you happy? And she said, I would be happy if my mom is happy. And that really started the whole journey of me understanding and calling myself out in my recipe for happiness. All these years had been all it takes for me to be happy is if my kids are happy and healthy. Like I literally would say that to people. That's all it takes. I'm so easy. Audience. Come on. You all really know what we're talking about, right? I mean, this is how we live everything for the kids or the spouse or Yes. Whoever we're caregiving for. Right. Yeah. Yes. And really, I realized that my whole plan was upside down mm-hmm. and it is inverted. And it actually, what's worse than that is I put a lot of pressure 
I would even say these things out loud. All that it takes to make me happy is for my kids to be happy and healthy. And the problem is they weren't. Year after year after year, they weren't. And I put a lot of pressure on a child that already suffered from perfectionism to be happy. Oh, Liza. So you're, you're saying that we put so much pressure on our kids that if, if they're not happy, we're not happy. And yes. we're telling them your job yes. is to be happy so that we can be happy. And if you're not happy, you're making us miserable. Well, I, in my family, I kind of teed it up that way because I would literally, the words would come out of my mouth. Like all that makes mommy happy is for you guys to be happy and healthy. And it's not like she couldn't help that she wasn't healthy. And what makes her happy is if I'm happy. So now this is just such a twisted little dance, right? right? And so I really had to put myself in check. And then I realized I was a commercial real estate broker at the time. I had been doing it for 10 years, very successful. I did medical development. I was doing developments for surgical centers, specifically fertility groups. I had like a really great niche. It was super stressful, but I mean, you know, I, I enjoyed it, but I did realize after this whole revelation that, you know, what I what would really make me happy was to have conversations with people. And there's this whole other part of my education in communications and journalism that I never mm -hmm. got to tap into. Mm -hmm. I, I need to talk about this and, and share stories. I believe that sharing stories is the greatest connection humans can have. And that is what my podcast is based on. Um, and so I shifted my life and started filling my love bucket up with myself. I love it. Yeah. And Liza, it's so good. It's so good. How long have you been doing your podcast now? Not long. Like it was a quarantine situation. Like mm -hmm. I launched in September. I'm now on season two. I started season one with just 15 episodes of really Annette sharing my personal stories. I talked about the darkness of hallucinations. I talked about how you build endurance. I talked about how you need community. This is an isolating world that we can oh, gravitate. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Yeah. And yes. And, and so, you know, you really got to get out there. You have to do that. You have to do it for a couple of reasons. A, you have to build your network of support. And B, right. when we isolate, we send this message to our children that there is something shameful about us and the right. way we live. And that's, that's not right. true. There's nothing shameful about them. There's nothing shameful about our situation. So um, I speak, I, I share a lot of personal stories about that. And then for, so my daughter is doing so well. And I always knew that Lyme was really just a big chapter in our lives, but it's not our lives. Mm -hmm. And so now I do more interviews and I talk to other parents and people that have healed and kind of like what they're doing now. And so, so that's what very happy stories is about. It's about sharing these dark stories, but always coming out with the gratitude. What did you learn? How are we growing? How do we heal? Um, because they're happy. They are stories of happiness. Like the growth that we've had, I have to tell you with Lyme disease, especially for my daughter, she is 
so empowered. She mm-hmm. is not your typical 15 year old, right? She has so many skills and attributes that the chronic illness makes you go through and learn awesome. and experience. And so that's what I want to, that's what I want to take all my energy and focus on as opposed to the part, like you're broken. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's kind of what I try to shift less because we're not broken. We're just going no. through something. We're just no. experiencing something. We're here. We're learning something. Um, and so, yeah, that's, so they're hard stories, but they are always happy in the end. Definitely need to listen. It's awesome. <laughs> yes, please. Awesome. Where can people listen in? Where can um, they find well, you? Yeah. Well, I, I put them on my website, which is veryhappystories.com. And then I'm on Spotify. I'm on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, I think Amazon Podcasts now, probably similar to your podcast too. Um, but it really is storytelling, personal storytelling. It's so great to share. And we did a whole month of why is it important to tell our stories? Mm-hmm. It is so important to share our stories. Sharing our stories is all about community. It's yes. all about just shining that light in the darkness. We're not going to live in the darkness anymore. You know, it's just so exactly true. what you were saying. It's also very therapeutic for the storyteller. And, but what's so beautiful about storytelling is you need a storyteller, but you also need the listener. And the listener gets so much out of your story too. And even if you told a story to 10 people, even if it just impacted one, that's a beautiful thing. Right. So you have this experience that there's like an exchange, you know, and that's the connector, you know, it's everybody wins. Yeah. So let's talk about this month of love. And you and I talked a little bit before we, pressed the uh, record button about self-love. And I'm so impressed with your, your take on, you know, how important self-love is and where you've gotten to because, oh man, it took me so long to get there. And you are just, man, you're impressive girlfriend. So let's talk to our audience about that because they need to hear your, your, your yeah. take on all of this? My take now of all the experiences we've been through um, and really the darkness of the mental illness, I have learned that in order to serve my children best, I really need to, well, A, always come from a place of love when they're having a panic attack, when they're experiencing emotional dysregulation, you know, come from a place of love instead of fear. It's not about when you start getting into fix it mode, that's kind of a fear-based tactic. I'm sure you've probably spoken about this before. And sometimes um, love is about just holding space for someone. Sometimes it's holding a boundary to like your Mm -hmm. own self-love, you know, if you're getting so emotionally dysregulated because they're dysregulated, well, that's not going to help your child, Yeah, you know? And so you always have to, so my new thing now, which I find is really where the shift takes place is instead of taking all of your energy 
to fix them and fix the situation where you're really just focusing on all their shortcomings and their gaps, take your energy and put it back into yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, if that requires more rest, if that requires more love, if that self-love, but take the energy and the focus and put it back into you so that you become the most empowered version of yourself. And when you become the most empowered version of yourself, A, you're modeling that to your children. Right. You know, it's a great model of showing them self-love. And B, you can be that person, that rock of like when they're chaotic and emotionally dysregulated, you can hold that space properly without wavering, without Mm -hmm. breaking. Um, So that's really what I've, you know, practiced. And it is a practice, Annette. Mm -hmm. This is not, I mean, I, I practice this every day. And sometimes that means walking away. You know, sometimes that means just doing like a three minute meditation. I was going to ask you, so what is, what is your favorite go-to for, for your self-love? My favorite go-to right now, and actually I have it right here is the journal. When I, I just free write when I am so mad at one of my kids for projecting. I mean, who doesn't project, right? And they're children. Mm-hmm. Projection happens all day long. We're like, it's, it's human nature. I am kind of those, I'm one of these really sensitive people. Like I think sometimes they call it empaths and I just need to journal it out. And the things I write in there, I would not want my children to read, but yeah. that's, that is my, my best go-to. And I, I used to type stuff out in notes like on my phone and my laptop, but it's, it is the, it's not the act. Same. It's not. No. Do you find that, that too? Pen to paper, the pressure that you feel when you're actually physically writing is so therapeutic. It is it's amazing. It is. And I get it. I get it all out. It's funny because you get it all out, but for me, I process at the same time. Mm -hmm. And that's when I, so a lot of times what I realize, this is most recently is the times that I'm most angry, I'm upset because I didn't hold a boundary. I didn't hold a personal boundary. Oh, interesting. Yes. And I let my child, um, push me into self-sacrifice or push me in a place where I'm kind of like, abandoning my own principles Mm -hmm. or so when I, and so that's my personal thing. So, so, Mm -hmm. and those are boundaries that I need to practice. And, um, it's, 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 it's easy to, to, to loosen the boundary because they're your children and, and the boundary is always changing because they're always changing. Well, sure. When they're getting older and their needs are changing. Yeah. 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 So I just have to get back to holding my boundary because I love myself. And that was like, that's a whole part of the journey of two of like falling in love with yourself. I mean, that that sounds so narcissistic when I say it out loud, but it is really about no one can love you the way you can love yourself. And ultimately you have to practice it to be there for your children. That's what they need. They need a model 
that can show them how to love themselves. Cause all these kids are walking around, not loving themselves quite the opposite. Well, you know, it's funny because I remember somebody who was it? Oh, I'm going to think of it. can't remember who it was, but maybe ask myself one day, would I want my daughter to grow up making the same sacrifices that I make? Would I want her to live, be living my life now? No, I want her to have a better life. I want her to be more fulfilled. I don't want her to have to sacrifice. Right. No. So why am I doing it? If I don't want my daughter to have to live like this, why am I modeling this for her? Right. Why am I showing her that this is how I live if I don't want her to live like this? And so um, I think it was Brene. Brene. Oh, probably Brene Brown. Yeah. So I think it was Brene. And I, so I, it, it was like light bulb moment. Like, darn it. Why am I modeling something for her that I don't want her to do, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, exactly what you're saying about self-love. I need to show her what kind of woman to be. And in order to do that, I have to be that. <laughs> so- Boom. That is the lesson right there. I mean, you all starts with us, the caregiver. So, I mean, and I had to learn this the hard way and it really, you got to put your money where your mouth is. Like you got to walk the walk and talk the talk because I, I am my son for a long time with ADHD and his neurodiversity, emotional regulation was so difficult. Right. And he had been on a lots of different medications and I had realized that when he's dysregulated, I'm totally dysregulated. Like, I can't tell you how many times I'm like in the pantry, like eating crackers to calm myself. Do you know what I mean? It's just like, it's this whole thing. Yeah. And I, if, if I, if I, if I ask him to be emotionally regulated, I have to show him how to be emotionally regulated. Right. Right. So if you, if we want our children to love themselves and a lot of them are walking around, like they're unworthy, then we have to show them how to love ourselves, but then we actually have to love ourselves. Yes. (laughs) Well, that's the hard part, dear. It's a practice. Yes. So your daughter says, I'll be happy if my mom is happy, Mm -hmm. but now guess what? Your mom has to be happy. And how do we do that? Well, I'll tell you what I did. And I don't, I don't know if this is for what everybody needs to do, but I, it just so happened. It's so funny how like the universe works, right? When you're going through something. So my daughter lays this out, like, I'll be happy if you're happy. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm not happy. What would make me happy? And literally the therapist was like, you need to take, take some time and figure out what would make you happy and show her real happiness. Mm-hmm. Well, it was during um, quarantine, and I don't know if you are on Facebook, but there was this big um, thing on Facebook that was trending where people were putting their senior pictures 
um, posting them because the scene, I don't know what this has to do, but like a lot of seniors were missing their senior year and all the parents were posting pictures of their senior year. Anyway, I opened my yearbook and, um, we had written what we wanted to be when we grow up. Right. And underneath my name, (laughs) I know I had written, I had written host. I wrote talk show host. Nice. And there was a time in my life where I literally wanted to host a show. And so for me, I was like, you know what? That was actually kind of a dream of mine. And here I am Mm -hmm. in my mid forties. And I'm like, you know, what would make me happy is to try to make that dream. Nice. Go think back into your childhood of like, who were you? What did you want to be? What did you want to do? What made you happy? Were you an artist? Did you paint? Did you write poetry? So that's what I did. And I explored that. And I was like, you know what? I really, I really want to do that. Like I I don't, I don't have to be Oprah Winfrey. I just want to connect with people. I want to create a platform. So people can share their stories. I'm all about like spreading human connection and it makes me happy. I have to say every time I do a podcast episode with you, people like you and on my show, I feel like I I get like a free therapeutic session. Like I, it's like, I feel so Amazing. amazing coming out of the conversation. So, I mean, I love it. So I guess some people can explore like I don't know. Think back when you were younger, before you had kids, before life got more complicated, when you did have all that time in the world, like what, what, what was going to make you happy? What did make you happy? Liza, it ain't easy because looking back, I mean, my mom wasn't happy. Was your mom happy? No. Oh my God. My mom was like the pinnacle of self-sacrifice. Yeah. So, I mean, there were happy moments for For sure. sure. Yes. But I think overall, no, not happy. So, you know, we have to do it. It's Absolutely. it's time for us to change things. And then I think our kids are gonna are gonna get it. I think this generation is starting to get it, you know? I think so too. So we have to do it for our kids. I mean, I really have to stress that. It's- Maybe, maybe with them, because I think they're smarter than we are. <laughs> and maybe we can do it with them. Sure. Because they will help us and we will help them because this, this whole realization came from your daughter. She inspired it. We weren't smart enough to think of it. No, they were. They're the greatest teachers there are. That's Amazing. for sure. So much learning, but the focus though, has to be on yourself. You have to take your energy because it's because, and this is, this is where the practice is because we are always focusing on them. And a lot of times we're focusing on their shortcomings and their gaps. And that is the wrong message. I mean, we, obviously we want to focus on their strengths and all of, you know, their miracles, but, um, as far as your energy, has to be put back into yourself. It's constantly like reinvesting energy into yourself. Okay. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> the month of love is all about mm-hmm. loving yourself. Absolutely. And Write yourself love a love people. letter. 
It sounds silly, but it's not, it's not, not, it's a great place to start. Right. It's like, whatever you're doing now, well, how's that working for you? Oh, right. Well, a little bit. Well, yes, true. I bought myself some chocolates (gasps) and some flowers. Uh, See, well, you're already doing it. You're like way ahead. Can I just tell you when I turned 50, it was like this whole big thing. And, you know, I'm not embarrassed to admit that I'm 50 and like the world just kind of opened up and became, um, it, it was very freeing. Yes. All of a sudden I just felt open to doing a lot of things that I would not have normally felt open to doing before. And the journaling was really great for me. I did a lot of journaling after my daughter passed away and, Oh, these were ugly things. I never would have told anybody, Mm. but because I wasn't up for therapy, but you know, it eventually turned into a book that was great and did and did amazing things for a lot of people, including Absolutely. myself, because I'm it was goosebumps. very therapeutic. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. So, yes. you know, I'm so on track with everything that you're saying, which is exactly why I wanted to talk with you on this podcast. So, you know, very happy stories. That's a, yeah. and it's a very happy message and such a great kickoff to our love month. <laughs> I'm so glad. So, um, as usual, I'm running out of time because um, the time just goes by so fast when I'm talking to really fun people. So as we are kind of winding down, I wanna make sure that we are embracing our audience and giving them lots of things to you know, take home and to practice at home and, and to you know, bring with them into their family life. And, um, I'd like to leave them with a couple of thoughts, a couple of tips to, to, um, you know, brighten up their, their day and their life and to, to help them. So any words of wisdom or anything that you'd really like to leave us with? Absolutely. I, um, one of the things I really try to do is set an intention for the day of how you're going to serve yourself. Nice you know, so we always have intentions. A lot of times, you know, it could be about other family members, but set an intention for yourself. And then the second thing I would even do is then you get it on the calendar, get something on the calendar, Mm -hmm. put it on the calendar, even 15 minutes from two to two 15, I'm going to do a meditation from, or maybe you give yourself a whole 45 minutes. I don't know, but even getting it on the calendar, the calendar is fluid. We all know that that can move around, but put yourself in your calendar. That's great. That's awesome. For me, it's, probably walking the dog or at least getting out for a walk or something, except for when it's a blizzard out <laughs> like it is today. But other than that, um, yeah, that's such good advice. Liza, you're amazing. This oh, has been, thank you. You're pretty amazing yeah. too. I really love what you're doing. It's truly beautiful and so special. 
Well, we have all of Liza's information in our show notes. Please check her out. You have to listen to her podcast, Very Happy Stories. And also um, she's got her blog and um, go to her website because that's where all of her information is. And it has been so much fun meeting you today. Thank you so much. And thanks for reminding us that we have to take care of ourselves and love ourselves first. Thank you so much for having me, Annette. Have a great evening. Talk to you soon. You too. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. I just wanted to take a second to say how much I appreciate you taking the time to listen to these podcasts. I'm having a blast doing them, and I hope that you're finding the content to be what you were really hoping. If you are, please take a second to leave a rating and a review. It's so helpful in getting this content out to people who really need to hear it. Thank you so much.